In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 252nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. You can follow us on Twitter at D. Orlando AJC. Go to our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now. You always could benchmark the Atlanta Falcons page on AJC.com and sign up for your newsletters to get the latest on the Atlanta Falcons. In this episode, we have a very special guest coming by, Falcons head ball coach Arthur Smith. So without further ado, let's get to Coach Smith. Time Chronicles podcast here and uh, uh, checking in with the with the listeners for us. Um, where are you? How's everything going? Uh, you know, I know y'all been busy since uh, getting hired in January. Where are we at now here as the uh, pages turn to March? Yeah, no, first of all, thanks for having me on here. Um, excited to be on here. Yeah, it's been pretty busy. So as we, as you can imagine, you know, you, as you start the job and there's so many things you got to get get done just to get started so we feel really good about you know hiring the staff we've hired and really dug into the roster and as we're coming up with, with plans for free agency and the draft so that's kind of where we are right now uh you know obviously trade he's getting ready to start here and then we're, we're knee deep into the college uh, draft reps and it's always fascinating to see a staff come together uh, i'm sure you had your uh you know, list to hey, one one day if I get this opportunity, I'm going to go after these people. Just to walk us through that whole putting the staff together. It looks like you got a lot of guys with a lot of NFL experience that the players will have to listen to. Yeah, it came together really, uh, really nice. You know, a lot of guys I've talked to. You know, it's a hard thing to do is to put the staff together. I said, you know, the advice I I was given from from several people said, hey, take your time. Um, obviously, the first hire that I wanted to make defensively was getting Dean Pease in here. And so it was easy to get Dean because he, he was out last year. So a lot of times, you know, guys, you got guys you want to hire and you really can't get them out of certain places, not for lateral moves. And a lot of times teams will block you. But the new rules kind of help movement this year. You know, where Dave Ragone, it, it, in years past, like he, you know, Chicago wouldn't have had to let him out. But, you know, they, were, they weren't able to block him because it was a promotion. And so that helped. It, it let you strategically uh, maneuver a little bit easier than it would have in the, in the past hiring cycles. And, uh, you know, just for some folks, uh, they know they've been watching you and uh, watching the offense there. I gave my background, talked to Coach uh, Malarkey uh, about, about your operation. How much of it is the power stuff that uh, that he, he ran in, in a mixture of the, the you know, uh, I guess the Shanahan West Coast stuff and just, you know, blending everything together. Yeah, it is a, it is a blend of, of a lot of uh, offenses I've been in. 
you know, we, we uh, certainly ran the wide zone in Tennessee with, with Derek, but we did a lot, of, a lot more of the power stuff that Mike was talking about, the gap stuff. You know, a lot of times there are gap schemes, and it may look like a little bit of an inside zone, but it's really power without a puller, and that was a staple play when, when I worked for Malarkey, and we had Russ Grimm as our own line coach. That was a big uh, run staple for us with DeMarco Murray and even Derek when he was younger. So it was a blend of that. I mean, we wanted to be a wide zone, uh, but but a nasty, powerful team as well. And we felt we had a pretty good blend of that in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where where are you all at, you know, with the rosters? We could see the numbers, and, and you got 39 guys and so forth. Um, sure. What's the exciting part of building that out up to 90? Yeah, it's very exciting. Obviously, the, the salary cap, we're, we're working through that. And, you know, there's multiple ways to get to get out of the salary cap, we want to do it the right way, and, you know, not to, to to hurt us in the future. So we're, you know, with, you know, I know sometimes there's things, decisions you, you obviously have to make year to year, but we have to take care of the salary cap first. And we, we feel pretty good about our plan going to free agency. I mean, I, we obviously have to add players, and you know, the way it, the, and how we'll do that is through free agency in the draft. And that, and I don't think you're ever you ever stop looking to add, and you may end up trying on the roster. You know, when things happen for training camp, that's when you get released. You got to be able to take a look at. It. And uh, the the you know the fans are um, you know just ha- if you can help them as much as you can. Uh, you know they they know you. They're looking at the salary cap numbers. Don't think you can do much in free agency, and I, I know y'all working on that. Um, just kind of give us a, a a little glimpse on what that might look like in, in free agency, since that's coming up first. Yeah. Well, you're. You're, you're waiting to, and to see what the actual cap will be, so you have to have a couple of contingency plans. Understanding that we're at salary cap, and, you know, some teams, you know, they have tons of money to spend, and, and you know, the first couple of days kind of feel like signing day. Uh, it may not necessarily be our approach unless something magical happens. I mean, there's things that happened in the past, so it's not out of the question, but realistically, you know, you're just kind of waiting and get the cap underneath it, and you're, and you're Trying to get good value for, for guys that are out there that fit what you want to do and they fit characterize. Because there's always an issue in free agency sometimes if you haven't worked with them or somebody in your staff hasn't worked with them, there's a lot of unknown. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure you've done your homework and you know exactly what kind of player, really, more importantly, what kind of person you're bringing in here. Yeah, and Coach Pease, uh, you know, just he's uh, he's had top, a lot of top ten defenses and so forth. Uh, how do you see that coming together um, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, we're really fired up about the, the staff with Coach Pease, and we have a lot of really good experience. Uh, you know, hopefully when we get out of this COVID and you guys are around the facility, you get to know them as well because there's some really, really good coaches and really good people uh, with awesome experience. You know, Gary Emanuel, Ted Monachino. Frank Bush, John Hoke. I mean, those are some guys that they've all, you know, tons of experience at different different levels and understand the, the NFL, and they work really well together. And we have some good young coaches that we feel good about advancing and growing here. Uh, Lanier Cote, who was who was up at Duke, I worked with Lanier. Uh, you know, he's a Georgia native. He, you know, we worked together at Ole Miss. Nick Perry, uh, you know, Nick played at Alabama. He's from Alabama. He's a bright young coach, and Matt Pete's and. We feel really good about that staff. It's a good mixture of experience and guys that have been in different spots, but they have kind of a shared vision as well. So uh, it, it's it's nice and it's refreshing to have those guys over there. 
And then just from the from the beat writer's perspective, we want to know uh, if you're gonna go back. We're gonna have open practices here uh, in Atlanta. <laughs> We'll be accessible. You know, I, I can't promise that we'll be the you know, full open. We will we'll, we'll definitely, I, I respect what you guys do. I know it's a hard job, and I'm, I'm empathetic to that. But we will make sure we, we try to do right by everybody involved. I just can't guarantee it'll be every day and, and wide open. Okay, okay. So you, I promise you'll have access. Uh, okay, that we'll 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 be more than happy to work with you on that, Coach. Um, but uh, yeah, and so then uh, so we get to we're, we're here in the off season. Y'all are working, y'all grinding, getting ready for free agency. Um, then the draft's right, right, staring you in the face. Um, what about the draft and and the preparation that's going on for that? Yeah, so we're we're obviously uh, deep in the middle of that. You know, it's it's because of the the rules and the pandemic. You know, you can't have any in in person workouts. We can't go. You know, we can go. We can show up at the pro days, but you can't meet with them. Uh, we can't do any private workouts. You can't bring them in the facility for any of your top visits. And so, a lot of it, you know, we've had to adapt in the last year. We have to do a lot of it virtually by Zoom. You really got to trust your scouts. You have to be thorough. Um, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned from the, from the last year. You want to want to know what kind of player you're bringing in here. And so, when we're you know, bringing all of the stops and, and within the rules, and everybody's got to use the same rules. Yeah. So a lot of lot of film watching, a lot of discussions, some zooms, uh, as much as we can get done, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I know Coach Smith, uh, uh, Mike Smith used to have his calendar like down to the day, a minute, and time, uh, and I'm sure you do too with uh, many camps and how much you. I guess you would normally get an extra one, but right. but you know all that's up in there too. Are you hoping to, to get in the clear to get some of that so you don't see the don't get to see the team and you know for, for training camps not the first day where you get to see the team. Yeah, you, you know, we obviously hope we get, get players in here at some point. Uh, and, and just like I said, the last year taught you anything is that you, you have to have you know, a lot of contingency plans. So we have a calendar. It's set. It's, it, these are the rules. Here's when we're going. We have to adapt to virtual. Here's our plan. And everything down still in our way. If it's some kind of combination, we have a plan for that. And, you know, it just you can't lose sleep over what you can't control. We'll be we prepared. Uh, for whatever the rules are they give us, they still, you know, are working through that. I think they're pretty close what they want to do this offseason. But, but if it gets to the point where we don't see until training camp, then we'll have to adapt to that, which we did last year and uh, my first year in Tennessee during the lockout year. And uh, another football question, Coach. Just um, after your analysis last year, we, we we couldn't figure out if the line wasn't blocking or the running backs weren't hitting the hole. You as an old lineman, I know you've assessed that already. And knowing that uh, the importance of getting the running game going is uh, going to be key to your success. What was that evaluation on the, the run game last year? Yeah, I don't want to, you know, a very uh, generally, you ain't gotta get into. You know, this is where I think the easy thing to do is, you know, we're new here is to criticize without having all the facts. And, you know, what what happened last year? It's really now, you know, obviously identifying the skill sets of each of those guys and how they fit and the way we want to do things because there have been good coaches and players. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, I, I just have a hard time focusing so much on last year and just criticizing. I think that's that's a really kind of a cop-out for coaches when they get here to do that. I don't want to do that to, to Dan Quinn or Raheem 
or Dirk Cutter because I think they're really good coaches. And I don't have a, you know, I wasn't here. So I can focus on 21. But we are excited about some of our uh, our young linemen and the way we want to do things. Okay. And we'll see how it works out in the backfield. But it takes all 11 block. I mean, I, I know I know the line gets all the credit, but it, it does. It takes the way you operate. The quarterbacks, sometimes when you ask them to get you the right play, receivers got to block tight ends and, and the fullbacks when you play with them. Yeah, I know when Coach Trubisky was here, the, the wide receivers were, you know, if you didn't block, he didn't, you know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't on his fun list. Yeah, you know, Terry would get after him. I worked with Terry for a couple of years, and he, he was uh, he was definitely going to get after those guys when he didn't block. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't trying to throw water on them, but just, you know, the fans are looking for hope. They want to see that you guys are, you know, my job is to give them the information that, that they got some hope looking forward. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the stories in the 4-12 and 12 season aren't real happy, so I'm trying to... <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I completely understand that. I, I, I just don't want to come across as like I'm, you know... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's good news to hear except for the golf part because we were going to ask you about bringing back the ha Hacks and Jocks golf tournament we used to have here with the media and the coaches. Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good caddy, and I can drive the golf course, so maybe we can bring it back. <laughs> I can do that. I, I don't mind getting out there. I'll play once once a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't mind doing that. Okay. And uh, just in closing, Coach, uh, just want to give you the floor here since you came by to, to chat with us on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. What's your message to the Falcon fans who are, uh, you know, you know, ready and waiting to get back in the stadium and cheer on the team there? Yeah, I, I hope you, you guys are excited to come down and, and watch a winning product. You know, we'll, we'll be a team that's going to be adaptable. We want a smart football team, guys that fly around. We'll be creative, don't want to get stale, and, we'll, and we want to be a part of the, the community. And that's really kind of delight. I got curious if I can ask you a couple of questions. Of, you know, what, what do you think it, it takes in this city to, to win here and, and really with the community? Well, yeah, Coach. Um, I was I, I've been here since uh, 2000. Came I was up there in Green Bay, so you know that's a whole different right. setting. But um, once Mike Vick came here, the, the city was electric. The team all of a sudden wasn't blacked out. Uh, the stadium was full. They were in the game every week. Uh, then you know, 07, and they'll come out and support. They were they. I mean, Northside Drive was packed. The the tailgates were the hottest in the nation during that time. And uh, you know, then they had the down the downfall of Mike, and then uh, Matt came in. And they started winning regularly. So the stadium was still packed, and going to the playoffs every year seemed like a birthright. And uh, the fans were supporting. And then um, uh, you know, got to the Super Bowl, almost got that done, and. Uh, so they've had some success, the most most success in the, uh, you know, from 66 to, to you know, to 98 wasn't that much. And, and since 2000, um, you know, and, and since Arthur brought the team, they've, uh, you know, raised their standard and expect to win. They want to beat the Saints every year, of course, and, um, you know, want to get back to the playoffs and get that first Super Bowl title in here. So the fan base is, is itching for a winner. They want some positive change and uh they respect you know what you all do and are, are ready to you know back you all is what I, I what i feel from the fan base yeah it's powerful when you when you have a city and a team connected and that's what we want to create here we obviously you got to win games and you want to you want to be a team that the community embraces and sometimes it happens organically i know i saw that from a little bit from a basketball in memphis what, what happened when the grizzlies started winning there in 2011 and what it does to the community and obviously what you just went through there's been time periods here we want that we want it to be electric there's nothing better in, in, in football when you go into the stadium the teams come in there and it's a, it is electric it's a great home field advantage we want to be part of the community we want to, we want to tie that in we know it ultimately starts with putting a winning product on and that's what we're sitting out here in uh, flowery branch you know our charge every day to do that and do it the right way Right, right. No doubt about it. They're waiting for that because I know I, I grew up in Ohio and uh, one of my uh, customers on my Cleveland Plain Dealer paper route used to leave me Browns tickets if it got too cold. So I was at a lot of Browns games yeah. <laughs> in the 38-yard line, then covered the bingos and got to meet Paul Brown back in the day. So, uh, yeah, been been around it for a while and uh Wish you all the best and good luck in, in your endeavors, Coach. And thanks for stopping by once again. No, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Sure, no problems, Coach. Take care. You too. All right, that was 
Falcons' new coach, Arthur Smith, stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Hey, also, I uh, was on the Mel Kuyper call um, yesterday and want to share that with you. We, um, I just, this Zach Wilson, Justin Fields thing is just uh, a repeat for me of 2017 when Trubisky went over Deshaun Watson. Deshaun was clearly the more accomplished quarterback in college. Uh, didn't go to, to later in the draft, eight, and, and Trubisky went second. They're trying to uh, say Zach Wilson's the number two pick now in a lot of mocks, and then has they have Justin Fields going seven. Mel had him at seven going to the 49ers. So I'm like, hey, Mel, what's the difference between 2017 and, and 2020 at the quarterback spot. And then we got in a question about uh, the kid from Georgia, Aziz. I'm gonna, I hope I don't mess up his name too bad. Ojalari, the edge rusher. So here's uh, Mel Kuyper. We're going to have him wrap it up for us. And thank Coach Smith for coming by and discussing some issues um, with the team as they're heading into free agency. Here is Kuyper. Make sure we got his volume together. Yeah, uh, Mill, um, the Fields-Wilson comparison sounded a lot like 2017 with Trubisky and Watson. Why is this not different? Well, I think when you look at, at Wilson's year he had and the mobility and the athleticism and the basketball player in high school, there's a lot. That Zach's not a pocket guy. He can move around. Uh, you can saw him. He's up hurdling a defender. Uh, you know, the accuracy, the way he spins it. Um, you know, and I, 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 Mitchell Trubisky went second. They traded up from three to two to get him. Everybody thought he'd be a really good goalie. A lot of teams thought he'd be a really good quarterback. Certainly the 49 the, uh, when you look back at what the Bears did, the 49ers traded down from two to three allowed the Bears to go up from three to two. Bears thought they had a guy who could be closing the gap with Aaron Rodgers. It looked okay early on, but then it went awry. So, uh, you know, Zach is going to go high. Uh, Justin Fields is going to probably fall in in that seven area, somewhere in that area there. Uh, had Justin had not had those two hiccups, uh, he probably would have been right there with just the majority of, of teams and been a consensus, maybe number two. Uh, but I think the Indiana Northwestern game prevented that from happening. I think that holding those two games against him, I think is unfair. I, I have Fields as the second quarterback in the draft behind Lawrence. Some have Wilson. Uh, I've heard some have Fields. I talked to the other teams have Fields. So not everybody has Wilson. Uh, maybe in the media that's the case. I can't speak for that. I don't check into all those things. But I don't know where that's coming from. All I go by is what I read. I have Wilson behind Fields. So I have Fields as the second. Wilson as the third. I've spoken to teams have Fields too. I've spoken to teams have Wilson too. So again, uh, they're both going to go high. Uh, hopefully for the NFL. Both are really good quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't see Wilson being Mitchell Trubisky, but I didn't see Mitchell Trubisky being what he is right now, which is, has been a disappointment in Chicago after a decent start. So we'll see. Uh, but I think it's, it's, I think Wilson ultimately goes before Justin Fields. But like I said, I have Fields rated slightly ahead of Wilson. And the Georgia edge rusher, Aziz Alari, where, where do you have him at? And uh, uh, what's his prospects? Well, he had a good year, and I'd like to see another year backing that up. But, you know, you come out early, Aziz Ojolari is a guy that I think, and I've had him both in both mocks going the final pick in the, in the first round. One pick, the Kansas City, when they were at the you know, before the Super Bowl. I didn't go to Kansas City, now I'm going to Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I think Tampa Bay needing a pass rusher, Aziz Ojolari showed this year off the edge. I'd like to see him put up maybe five to ten pounds on that frame. I would have liked to see him another year. Uh, but based on what I saw, it's worthy of being a late first, early second rounder.
All right, there's Mel Kuyper on the quarterback situation. So just in closing here, we want to thank uh, Coach Arthur Smith for coming by, discussing some of the offseason issues uh, with regards to going ahead and in the free agency, the running game. Wanted to drill down on that because I know he has some answers for us. Uh, the draft, uh, offseason plans, how he's got to be flexible there. The combination of the power gap wide zone attack to uh, blend with the uh, you know blending of the malarkey and Shanahan systems both of which have been here with the Atlanta Falcons so thanks to coach Smith and then dropped a little bit of uh, Mel Kuyper in there for you here so with that we're going to get out of here this is the 252nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons Music by DJ Magic. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.